Welcome to Media Path. I am Louise Palenker. And I'm Fritz Coleman. It's such a good thing you're here because today on the show, the Emmy Award winning stuff of legend, the iconically cool Henry Winkler is with us. Barry is back for season three and Henry is here to tell us all about it. But first, my recommendations this week are in honor of my mom, Ruth Palenker, who passed away on April 22nd after sharing her light with this world for 92 years. These are her picks for you. We begin with an affair to remember. The plot is best described by Rita Wilson in Sleepless in Seattle, so I will simply bullet point this for you. Cary Grant and Deborah Carr fall in love on a cruise ship. They are both engaged to other people. They agree to clean up their personal lives and meet in six months at the top of the Empire State Building. All does not go as planned. Bring tissues. My mom just loved this movie, which you can find for a few dollars on YouTube. She also loved the original version of Sabrina, so do not come into this expecting Greg Kinnear. You won't find him. Audrey Hepburn plays the title role as the chauffeur's daughter, who is torn between the two Larrabee heirs, played by Humphrey Bogart and William Holden. The rest of the plot is all very silly but lovely, and you can watch Sabrina on Pluto. My mother loved classical violinist Nathan Milstein. Widely considered one of the finest violinists of the 20th century, Milstein was known for his interpretations of Bach's solo violin works and for works from the Romantic period. He performed at the highest of levels into his mid-80s until a broken hand forced retirement. I believe my mother met Milstein through her activities with the Buffalo Philharmonic, and he was a guest in our home when I was a child. She cherished that friendship. My mother's other beloved friendship was with the Mills Brothers. Mom went to see the Mills Brothers at the Town Casino in Buffalo when she was a 15-year-old girl. After asking to interview them for her school newspaper, she became lifelong friends with Harry and Donald Mills, and they were an important and significant influence in my young life. Their harmonies are magic. Check them out. They leave us 60 years of glorious music. My mother and I share the same favorite singer, Jack Jones. As a kid, I poured through my parents' record collection and became instantly obsessed with Jack Jones. You may know him as the guy who sings the Love Boat theme, but he is a gifted vocal artist. Our favorite albums are Jack Jones Sings Michelle Legrand and Sing Me a Love Song Charlie, his interpretations of the works of Charles Osnavar. And my mom and possibly your mom's favorite show is Hot Bench. Hot Bench is the creation of Judge Judy. Its concept, three judges, three opinions, one verdict. The three judges first question the litigants, then they deliberate. These three hot judges are Patricia DeMongo, Tanya Acker, and Michael Carrero. Judge Judy created the program after a trip to Ireland where she sat in on a three-judge bench while visiting the courts there and realized this would make a great show. Three-judge panels are used in many countries throughout the world, and in the United States, most federal appellate cases are heard by three-judge panels. Litigants for Hot Bench are found by researchers across the country who find over a thousand real small claims cases a week. From there, the 20 most compelling are chosen for the show. If the plaintiff wins, the show pays the settlement and both parties receive a fee for appearing. I wanna thank the folks who make the show because as my mom's activities became increasingly limited, Hot Bench remained a highlight of her day. These picks come directly from my mom who also told me that her favorite play is Fritz's one-man show, The Reception. She saw it maybe five times. And my mom deeply loved Henry, whom she met backstage at a Neil Simon play called The Dinner Party. So your being here today, Henry, means a lot. 
to me. And uh, Fritz, what have you got for us? I loved your mom's warmth. She just exuded a great warmth to everybody and made everyone feel like they were part of your family. But uh, what I loved the most was to watch her revel in your success. Nobody uh, appreciated your success, probably including you, more than your mom did. And uh, it, it was a great thing to be in her presence. I'm so very sorry for your loss. And it was a slow, painful decline and you and your siblings were there and lifted her up so she transitioned with the greatest amount of love i'm really sorry for your loss thank you very much and she absolutely adored you fritz and you i called i used to call fritz her her oldest son Mm -hmm. uh, which she did not argue with in the slightest so what have you chosen all right i'm going to go with bosch legacy i'm anxious to see if henry's watched this show i love the show i was a huge fan of the original bosch series on amazon prime in that series harry bosch was a flawed but relatable homicide detective that worked for lapd he was always bucking authority but getting the job done in this new series he quit the police department and became a private detective it's called bosch legacy it's harry bosch played by Titus Welliver. They they bring over characters from the first series that I loved, Attorney Honey, Money, Chandler, played by Mimi Rogers. Also, I'm happiest about this, they bring Maddie Bosch, his daughter, played by Madeline Lintz, who is now a rookie LAPD officer, and it's really interesting to watch her hit her speed bumps as a rookie cop. I just identify with the relationship between father and daughter that sort of grew throughout the series. It was really well-written. And and hallelujah, they brought over the comic relief from the first series, two older cops nicknamed Crate and Barrel. (laughs) It's based on the novels of Michael Conley, and it's got great twists and turns in forensics, as he writes. One of the great things is the LA locations. Those of us that live out here can sit and pick out spots we recognize immediately. You can find it on Amazon Prime, but it's also being released on a free service called, I never heard of this before, Freebie, which makes the show free with limited commercials, almost like Hulu's business model, but less annoying. It's called Freebie. It's 10 episodes, three have dropped. They drop two more a week through May 27th. Awesome. Great show. Okay, very good recommendation. Henry Winkler stars in Barry as legendary acting coach Gene Cousineau, a layered individual whose intersection with hitman actor Barry may inspire his next book title, Be Careful Who You Teach. Henry Franklin Winkler is an American actor, comedian, author, executive producer, and director, initially rising to fame as Fonzie on the American television series Happy Days. Winkler has distinguished himself as a character actor for roles such as Arthur Himbree in Scream, Coach Klein in The Waterboy, Barry Zuckerhorn in Arrested Development, Eddie R. Lawson in Royal Pains, Fritz in Monsters at Work, Uncle Joe in The French Dispatch, and Gene Cousineau in Barry. He is the recipient of a number of accolades, including a Primetime Emmy, two Daytime Emmys, two Golden Globe Awards, and one Critics' Choice Award. Welcome, Henry. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. And uh, I uh, really enjoyed your um, your mom when I when I met her, and I always found her to be an extraordinary dancer on Hot Bench. That's right. I thought <laughs> it was a judicial porn, but I I, I got that wrong. I'm I'm so sorry. Well, as my adolescent nephew once taught me. There is porn of everything. So I'm sure there's a porn version of Hot Bench, and we'll have to look for that. Yeah, I'd like to be on it. (laughs) So, Henry, 
Uh, yes. Have you noticed that when you Google someone's name, it brings up a series of frequently asked questions? So this is going to be like the Newlywood game. I'm going to ask you the same questions that we see when we Google your name, and we'll see if your answers match mm-hmm. with Google's. Okay, are you ready? Right, I'm going to answer the one question, mm-hmm. Fritz, and I just oh. recorded him this morning. Okay. <laughs> is on uh disney uh, plus and he it is uh, monsters at work which takes up um it's now the second season we're recording the second season and it takes place right after the movies monsters inc okay excellent i'm sure it's wonderful i wanted to ask you about that is that fun doing the voiceover stuff where you just kind of can be free physically and how is well, that? You, you you know what is so interesting is that I I wore you have to wear a t-shirt because you uh, oh. uh, if I wear a regular shirt it you can hear the the, oh, the fabric interesting so it's very restrictive but in the structure comes the freedom because I am dyslexic and I'm reading the script sometimes I just say anything that comes to my mind <laughs> good and. Makes them laugh. They put it in. Oh wow, that is exciting. Okay, so are you ready, player game? I'm. You know what? I'm strapped in. <laughs> All right. Question number one: Are Ron yeah. Howard and Henry Winkler friends? We are, and uh, we have been friends since uh, Happy Days. Um, uh, I, I think of him actually as family. Mm-hmm. He said to me, he and his beautiful wife Cheryl. They met in high school. They said, you know, um, uh, Stacy and Henry, would you be the godparents to all of our children if, God forbid, anything happens to us? Take them in. You can bar mitzvah them if you want. <laughs> actual wow. story. That's you would think that they would say, well, take the ones you like and you know and we'll see what we can do with the others i mean it didn't his youngest daughter just got married like last weekend or something right yeah it's very possible um i i don't particularly care for the kids but mm-hmm. uh, i would have taken really <laughs> it's a, it's, it really, i would have taken good care of them i know you would have so yeah. that we have a match uh, that's uh let's put uh, a point on the board for henry and for google google said the two men are good friends winkler is the godfather to howard's children so that is an exact match question number two is richard belzer related to henry winkler okay um i spoke to him years 30 years ago about this he said it's very possible i don't remember the connection it was some aunt who married somebody, and <laughs> uh, but I, I have to say I'm very proud of um, Richard Belser, the really fine actor, being a relative. All right. So Google says yes, they are cousins. Belser appeared in Night Shift, and Henry appeared in Law and Order. I did, but not with him. Oh, I okay. mean, I didn't. I didn't actually do a scene with him. I don't think Mary Beth Hurt played my that wonderful actress uh, married to Paul uh, Schrader uh, played my wife who I think I murdered okay well that <laughs> I mean I that can happen on a difficult night on uh, number three why is Henry Winkler uncredited in scream ah hmm. because they said to me you know you're were the fawns and <laughs> if you are credited. If people know you're in the movie, uh, it, it will knock the balance of the 
of the, of um, the darkness off the darkness <laughs> and the scariness. Oh. And then they, uh, you know, they, they test, uh, they test the film. And, um, when I walked on screen, I got applause. So the very same people who said, we cannot put your name on the, on the screen. We cannot put your name on the one sheet on the poster. Would you do press? Oh, that's, <laughs> wow. that's hysterical. I think what they were in essence saying to you is Henry Winkler makes everything less scary. And we're trying yeah, to Yeah, that that would have been lovely if that's what they meant. <laughs> I think it's what they meant. All right, Fritz. I want to talk about But that. how about this? What? How about this? This is true. I I actually I had a meeting with an executive and I was telling the story and I said <laughs> these people said we can't put your name on the screen because you'll knock the balance of the terror off. <laughs> And he said, oh, I was that executive. Ah! Wow. Ah! And he said, you'll excuse me. Um, uh, I'm so sorry. I uh, didn't mean to call you out. And I'll show myself out. Thank you. Well, you could have like you could have (laughs) murdered him and then walked out. Yeah. You know, because that that would have been a whole new movie. I think it would have been a whole new movie called Poetic Justice. Yes. Uh, so Fritz has a question. I want to talk about Barry. Yeah. Uh, um, I I love dark antihero shows, Henry. If if there are people that you can root for, even modestly, some you can't. There's nobody to root for. But in Barry, there are lots of people to root for. You've got yeah. you. You've got Noho Hank, who's a really interesting character. You have Sally of Monroe Fuchs. Stephen Root just makes me laugh walking on screen. Isn't he the greatest? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I- telling you he i was just in austin texas with uh sarah goldberg uh uh anthony corrigan and uh stephen root doing press and we had the most wonderful time together they're all hysterical and dark in their own way but you can root for them some shows you can't so explain gene cousin who he is and so people know if they haven't seen your show I play an acting teacher based on one of the writer's wives actually went to the the teacher and and from her notes, uh, Jean was created. And then I added every one of the 14 drama teachers I had in college and graduate school. Then I added my own imagination of what it would be like to teach (laughs) And um, all of a sudden, Gene came out. He was created as more of an idiot than he is. And um, I guess as I was playing him, giving him humanity of some sort, the writer said, oh, well, we could go in that direction. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Thank goodness you did that. It's really some of your best acting, I think. It's wonderful. Thank you. I I will tell you, this year, the third season... No hyperbole, no joking. It is some of the most intense work I have ever done in my professional life. Talk about Mr. Cousineau's arc, because he's a different person this season than he was in season one. Well, in in season two, we read the scripts before we started shooting. And I asked Alec Berg and Bill Hader if I could have a meeting with them. And I said, look, I really appreciate this role. 
it is a gift in my life. I don't recognize the gene in this year from the gene in the first year. And they said, basically, we will never repeat ourselves. Mm. And so it, I, I, I no longer ask any questions. I memorize. I go to the set. I think I know what I'm doing. Alec Berg and Bill Hader direct uh, different episodes, you know, um, and they take me to a place I never even imagined. So you're building a whole new character. It seems like there ought to be continuity of character from one season. There, to there the next. is continuity, <clears throat> but it, you know, it, he went from. I don't care if you can act, just pay me in cash. <laughs> Two, I finally met a woman I love, and Barry, you have ripped her out of my heart. Two, I want revenge. Two, oh, this man is crazy, and if I want to stay alive, I better listen. Wow, that that is that is just I, I I would say probably so delicious for a great actor such as yourself. But I do have to ask this question. Did you actually punch Bill and does it hurt when you actually punch someone? Okay. I don't know because being a short Jew, I usually run rather than I have never punched a human being in my life. Uh, I have punched pillows. Mm -hmm, same. Right. But I've never punched a human being. And it was very carefully staged so that I in no way harmed our executive producer, creator, <laughs> writer, star, and director. That was smart. Is it exciting when you see some of your work show up in the trailer because you never know when you're filming what they're going to cut together, how it's going to look even in the show. But then when you see it in the trailer, is that exciting? You know, it's funny that you should say that because there is never a time, and I've been doing this since June 30th, 1970. There is never a time when you see your name in print. There's something about it makes it seem like real. I don't, you know, like, wow, I'm here. <laughs> and in the trailer, the same thing. There is not a time when we're watching the trailer for whatever the, the show is. My wife and I go, hey, wait, there you are. <laughs> it's delight. Like, like by, you know, like sheer delight. Yeah. I'm in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It does feel still magical. Even for it people does. who are in show business, show business seems magical. I love that. It, it is true. It, uh, it is very magical to me, and I'm very grateful. This show is where we are now. We're streaming and all these services, and we're exploding yeah. in all kinds of directions. The universe yeah. is expanding. When Happy Days was possible, it was appointment television. Families watched together. It was one episode a week. The arcs were stretched out over a season. With streaming, there is no more appointment television. It's a buyer's market now, except for news and sports. Everything is binged. That plays into a shorter attention span and people's sort of addictive behavior. How, I mean, I mean, what do you, what, does that force a change in how shows are written and how story arcs are created and how they I go? I don't think so. 
you know, everything is different about making entertainment except the humanity, the writing. Mm -hmm. If it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. The acting, the directing, the the craft service person, the dolly grip uh, on our set, Mary. You know, it it's just how it's consumed being. that's different. Though. It's how it's consumed is different. And I am guilty. You know, uh, uh, I watch a show. Uh, we binge. Mm-hmm. We, we watch it over a very short amount of time, the entire season, and then fall into a show hole when it's <laughs> over. Oh, a show hole. Is what that- are your faves? What are you binging now? Uh, now, uh, we, we just started uh, Ozark, the second half. Everybody loves that show. I haven't seen one, so I have, that, that's a catch-up. It's also me. dark. Well, you know what? It really is. It's uh, a wonderful show. Uh, I will tell you, Julia, uh, starring uh, Sarah Lancaster and B.B. Newworth and David uh, Pier- uh, Hyde Pierce. Is it Julia Child? It's Julia Child. Oh, I, I, and I you think yeah. this woman is Julia Child. Where, it, where wow. is it found? That is on HBO Max. Hack is amazing. Oh, I love her. Jean I'm so Smart happy for Jean is, Smart. She lost her husband, and then suddenly it's Emmys, and she's got this great show. That show is funny. And the woman that, that, that plays that comic, you know, it's really hard to make them believable when you're writing words for an actor, but that girl is so... You know who that is? Or, Lorraine Newman's daughter. No Whoa. way. I didn't know yeah. that. She's so good. Lorraine really Newman's daughter from SNL. You know, I know Lorraine. That, that. But, but Gene Smart is, I don't know, one of the great actors on the earth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. She can do anything. Yeah. Not only that show, but Mayor of Easttown. She was wonderful. Oh, my God. Great, 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 yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I also, you know what I love? What? 1883. Oh, yeah. The it? origin it, story of Yellowstone. It's a prequel to Yellowstone. Oh, oh, oh right, right, with Sam Elliott. That was oh, wonderful. God, I, I wrote Sam a fan letter. Oh, Ooh, good for you. I would love to see you in that. I wonder if they're going to keep going because now they've got Well, he's, yeah. doing, he's doing the cowboy thing. No, Texas. you know why? Why? Because 1883 is over. And it is now becoming 1932. Oh. I just spoke to the writer, creator, and director, Taylor Sheridan. Um, I wrote him a fan letter, too. And uh, he is like one of the most, he is one of the most prolific That's writers. He's show. like, um, you know, who? Uh, um, Aaron uh, David Kelly. David yeah, Kelly, David yeah. Kelly. Yeah. So, what would what did David Kelly just do that was from? He did the British show yes. called uh, a- Anatomy, Anatomy of a, Cro- of a Scandal. Anatomy of a Scandal, which was fantastic. It's really good. There's two. It sounds like it's going to be a running theme. Like they're just going to take a scandal from British history. Oh no, that was different. I'm I'm mixing up my scandals. No, that's what it was no, though. It was scandal Anatomy confusion. of a Scandal. scandal. I, I have there scandal confusion. He's an executive producer and the right co-writer. He and somebody else wrote on this. Anatomy of a Scandal is in modern time, but the but the British scandal shows. The first one was like three years ago, and it had it had. Uh, I should prepare for this show, shouldn't I? No, we just lapsed because I wanted to say Hugh Downs, and I don't think See, it that had, would be that would have no. <laughs> I don't think Hugh Downs was in it. Hugh, Hugh Grant. Hugh, Hugh Grant. Thank you, Henry. <laughs> and yeah. so and old kid. Yes, and then the new scandal is a whole new scandal, but it's from the 60s. 
Yeah. And it's just rich people behaving very badly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. And that, I, I'll tell you another a show that is really worth it. Um, uh, they, the, the South Koreans make unbelievable television. Yes. And there is one called Crash Landed Into You. Ooh. Crash Landed Into You. Okay. Never heard of it. And I'm telling you, you give it a few episodes, this very wealthy young lady from a very wealthy industrial family uh, ha- runs a company. And uh, there she is. Yeah. And she goes paragliding <gasps> or parasailing. Right. And a gust of wind blows her into that guy <laughs> who is a North Korean soldier. Oh, that's Does he need a nanny? <laughs> and I'm telling you, no? the adventure begins. Ooh, okay. It is enchanted. Oh. There's another one called Vincenzo. Wow. And Vincenzo, this is the log line. He was born in South Korea. He was raised in Italy. Ooh. He was groomed by the mafia. Wow. That there is a go. great tag. Nice. And he is one of the great heroes. And I'm telling you. Uh, Where are they these make, found? There he is. There oh, he is. it's there Netflix. He, great. Very handsome. Uh, he is there. They're all the the the, uh, the television stars in uh, in South Korea are beautiful people. Henry, you should be on our show every week with all of these wonderful recommendations. Uh, recommendations. That well, you, you know, I watch a lot of television. Yes, but that's exactly why we need you. So now, I Henry, really have you noticed that there was a, a New York Times article about you? And you know, it it's ins- funny you mentioned that. I spoke to that man. Yes. For two and a half years. He said this is before the pandemic or during the pandemic that you he you took him to your, the apartment where you grew up and yeah. you took him to your bus stop and you took him to your deli and he walked yep. in your footsteps. So tell us about that. Uh, you know what? It was very. First of all, there is a prime example. Henry Winkler mm-hmm. from 78th Street and Broadway mm-hmm. was in a profile in the New York times it was beautifully done he did a wonderful we job. got the new york times i i i you know i'm dyslexic so i'm not a great reader mm-hmm. but it's delivered into my life every day for 60 years right and now i'm in the magazine section and they took some beautiful photographs and you can oh li- my god that was just recently yeah. yes just recently and you can <clears throat> listen to it and i have a subscription so i didn't get that kind of message that says would you like to subscribe it just said hello louise you know cuz it knows my name but there you are and did you notice henry well i know your name too hi you- louise hi henry there's 307 comments and it's, so it has inspired a great deal of conversation. And people argue with each other over what role you played and when you played it and what it inspired. And it was a spinoff of this. You mean those were the 300 comments? Oh, lots of comments. But I'm going to read you some samples because I think you might enjoy these. And then you could respond. All right. Well, so, they hurt my feelings. No, no. I didn't pick out any that would hurt your feelings. No one here is oh. going to hurt your feelings. Okay. Everyone <laughs> is about love at the New York Times. You know that. So Food Chemist wrote, watch a Happy Days rerun. Henry Winkler carried that show like nobody's business before or since. Hardly a scene where he's not simply phenomenal. The body language, the facial gestures. As a school-age kid, when the show first came out, 
I thought he was just the Fonz. And yeah, everyone kind of idolized him. But what phenomenal acting behind it all, despite the typecasting. I think that's a thing that us kids that grew up watching Fonzie, we just kind of accepted, well, this is Fonzie. That's the way he acts. That's the way he talks. We didn't really see the the beauty of the, the acting and how you created that character and how it jumped off because of you, uh, not just that you were accidentally along for the ride. Well, you know what? Um, uh, I, I'm trained. I went to school because I did not want to be a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a one-show wonder. I wanted to be able to carry on. And that went on the air in 1974. And here we are in 2022. And I'm still having an incredibly rich and wonderful um, uh, you know, acting life. Mm-hmm. How much of the Fonz did Gary let you create on your own? The physical mannerisms, the A, did, did, was any of that you or was it most of it the right? A lot, a lot was me. Oh, I added, whoa, which came <laughs> from a uh, horseback riding. It was my favorite sport at the time. Uh, you know, they, they really, they trusted me because I trusted them. Mm-hmm. I did not ever uh, try and demand anything. I just tried stuff, and if it worked, it was in. But I will tell you, mm-hmm. in the first year, the second year, we, there's a scene at the dinner table, and they asked me to say grace. And the show was being run by uh, a man named Bill, who was very religious. And... I understood from the Fonz's point of view of talking to God. And so I said, Grace, I went, a guy. Whoa. (laughs) And in that woe, I said, thank you. And I'm grateful. And I argued. I had to literally stop the filming for a minute and argue my case because he wanted me to say a paragraph of, hey, we're very, very thankful and thank you for everything. And this is all wonderful. And Mrs. C made a meatloaf. And, <laughs> and I thought it all went into a God. Whoa. That's perfect. Just perfect. And, and it stayed wow, the that was one of my only arguments in, uh, in 255 episodes. And, and, and you trusted your gut and it worked. And that's that's another thing probably in acting is knowing when to sort of fight, not fight, but push or, you know, be a little bit insistent upon something and knowing when to just trust. Them. Yeah, you know what? You're exactly right. That is exactly right. There are sometimes there are directors you work with uh, or another actor who is not as in tune with the job. And they tell you to do something and you go, wow, thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) And then you do what you know is right. And they go, see? (laughs) Everyone wants to feel like they're they're a part of the creation. And it's true. Yes. And so sometimes you just sort of posture towards their suggestion and they they feel validated. You know that if you did what they told you to do or what they what they what they thought you should do, it would not end well. 
<laughs> well, you know what, Henry? I have I have another comment to read. I think you're gonna enjoy, yes. you're gonna enjoy this. One comes from DJK. About 15 years ago, I was riding the NR downtown to Times Square after work, and I was balancing a large pile of manila envelopes on my lap that I needed to drop in the mail. I didn't realize the package, the packages were starting to slide off my lap until the man next to me caught them before they fell on the subway floor. He was polite and looked concerned. I mumbled, thanks, and went back to staring into space. It took a minute for me to realize that the man was Henry Winkler, but I wasn't convinced until he got out at 49th Street and another guy standing nearby said, yo, the Fonz rides the train. (laughs) Murmurs of acknowledgement passed through our little area of the subway car. It was a good NYC moment, and I want to say a proper thank you to Henry Winkler for helping out a fellow stranger. Also, you are amazing in Barry. Wow. See? That, I'm telling you, that has made my month. <laughs> First of all, let me tell you, I took the NR every day, and I'll tell you exactly when it was. Okay. It, in 2000 and 2001, I was doing a Broadway play oh. uh, with John Ritter. Right, and, the dinner party. Uh, uh, the, the dinner party. And uh, I was living on the east side uh, in, a, uh, in an apartment in a hotel, and I took the NR every day to the theater. And then from 49th Street or 42nd Street, I walked to 45th Street to the music box where the play took place. That was another great moment. But, oh, my God, the, another human being. Right. It, the manila envelopes sure. were slipping and sliding. Of course. Who else? What, what, what else, do you do? What do you do? You, you, you what help do you do? out. You, you help them. Sure. It's a subway floor. You have to, it's lava. You know, you can't touch it. (laughs) So here's one more from Chuck Jane. When I was young, the Fonz was the coolest character on TV. I grew up a little and bought a Harley, a white t-shirt and a black leather jacket. I grew a little more, got married and had four kids. The writers deserve much credit, of course, but Henry Winkler created a cool that was kind and he inspired folks like me. Being cool for a short period of one's life is a very good thing, and being kind is everything. Wow! What nice. what thoughtful really? comment! Isn't really? that isn't that lovely? And I think you knew that you were doing that with your character. No! Oh no no no! Oh no no no! no? I'm I'm so happy that that was the way it was interpreted, or that's the way it landed, mm-hmm. or you know people experienced it. But when I was doing it. My goal was to be funny, Mm. taking each story, some silly, some good, some well-written, some poorly written, 255 episodes, and making sure they were funny every week. I swear to you. And then the uh, loyalty uh, came, you know, to Richie and and, uh, to um, Anson Williams and Don Most. Uh, and Mrs. C, the wonderful Marion Ross, that came because it was so important to me mm-hmm. as a person. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe that way I kind of knew what I was doing. But the rest of it, uh, when you read that to me, mm-hmm. I, it is it to, to this day. It is amazing to me that. I could have that kind of an effect on anybody. Wow. 
It's beautiful. We knew that when we were doing our show, The Couch, and we would walk around. I had never experienced fame at that level before. We were going through ICM, and I watched the the waters part as you would walk in there and just watch people, whether it was verbal or not, react to seeing Henry Winkler. It was really amazing. Right, but back up a step, and and for two years or maybe more, we this team, Henry, Fritz, and Wheezy, we took this concept all over town, and we took meetings, and and you know, and they're called pitch meetings. And Henry, you can describe it from there here it is um uh in louise's house in her living room she and fritz and two other comedians Mm -hmm. two other people yep sat around had friends come in have a problem the friends had a problem and they literally created a um a funny uh, session of therapy, having no um, right to give (laughs) advice to anybody, and literally solving the problem. And when I saw it, I thought, and I still do, they tried to make it once with a a lot of big stars, Mm -hmm. and they took the humanity out of it, Mm -hmm. and the... um, the um in the moment out of it and it just flittered into nothing but i always have thought this is a fantastic show well we shot the pilot at nbc because fritz is nbc weather yes and comedy channel and so Mm -hmm. we had you know we had rob eisenberg and james arnold taylor and we and and we we had worked together at premiere so we had these rhythms and we understood each other's humanity and we really wanted to help people solve their dispute and we did it in a fun and funny and but loving way but we had this rapport so it was great. that pilot you can now find on youtube that's the pilot that henry was helping us shop but when we finally sold it to comedy central they said okay we love this but we're going to cast our comedians in it and so they replaced us with, you know, people who are famous comedians and the pot and we watched they had, they had no chemistry. Right. And we, they were each individually very oh, funny. Oh yes, very funny. But Henry and I sat behind the double whatever that glass is called where they don't know you're there. It looks like a mirror. And we watched the focus groups react to our show. And it was just it was everything that people complained about was something that Comedy Central had stripped from our pilot and so that's show yeah. business that's this this is how it happens no, not only that the lady that de- let us develop the show uh lost her job like the week after we finished the pilot the lady who the vice president in charge of development got fired so back to ground zero but it, yeah, it just no, being it, 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 to get a show on the air takes a lot to get a show even into development is like pushing a camel through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. And that's if the needle is not well lubed and didn't want you there and said no. No, wow. And you, you've got to be so tenacious and you've got to believe in the material so that every time you're knocked down, you just stand right back up. But you must have, just, but what I um, wanted you to explain, Henry, was like the, the whole pitch culture because you've pitched millions of shows. We're just a, a little part of your resume, but you've pitched. I'll tell you uh, yeah. from where I started mm-hmm. pitching, when you, you go in with no more than three people, you sit with two or three executives from the network or the production company or the, um, uh, you know, whatever it is, the movie company. And then you try with all your might to make it 
unbelievably entertaining and sell them the idea mm-hmm. so that they get excited and they say, yes, let's make this show. And how can we change everything we liked in the pitch <laughs> and make it into garbage? <laughs> They do. They want to put their stamp and their ownership upon it. But Fritz is describing the moment when we first walk into the suite of offices and people look up from their cubicles and see Henry Winkler. Quite seriously. (laughs) I mean, I'd never experienced fame at that level. But what really impressed me, honestly, Henry, and I I learned a lot about, I'm not famous, but people locally know. I'm like a neighbor. And I said, do I know him? And that, but I learned you treat, you treat fans and and people that just interlopers on the street with such charm and gentleness and dignity. And it really is impressive to see how you how you react to the general public as they react to you. You know, I, I have to say there are, first of all, I think there is an emotional component to being dyslexic or learning challenge oh. where I could not believe but I mean deeply in my soul believe mm-hmm. that what people were saying to me was true. Oh. oh, wow. It could not be that they are saying this to me. So I heard the words, but I did not allow the words to penetrate into my mind or soul. Right. Wow. So I was seeing these lovely people saying hello, and that's what I saw, Mm -hmm. not how they were treating me or what they were saying, except that the people who were disrespectful uh, or who wanted to get me because before uh, they thought I was going to get them, those people um, would, uh, would really irk me. They they got they got to me. Well, you you and I think it's just the quality of your soul. You treat them with such dignity, and uh, I just I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot watching that in my brief. Well, I time. I I watched you go around the world with William Shatner, and he seemed confused by how how much you enjoy interactions with humans, and he said something <laughs> like. I think he actually likes this, like because it wouldn't occur to him to want to be approached or something. But you know him better no, than we do. But that's he's a very um, idiosyncratic, phenomenal man. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. But it, we have different approaches to um, the world. Mm-hmm. It is true. You mentioned Marion Ross earlier and you've credited her with being one of your mentors. How so? Marion Ross is limitless in her ability as an actress. Mm-hmm. She could do anything. Um, she is retired, but when she was working, she could play a Polish grandmother. Right. On on uh, a bridge, uh, a bridge to Brooklyn or bridges. Brooklyn or, Bridge, I think it was called. Yeah, Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. I knew there was something in there. It's such a wonderful <laughs> show. Uh, she could play Mrs. C, mm-hmm. who was ditzy and loving and, uh, you know, just like a, a homemaker with great wisdom. Mm-hmm. She, th- there was nothing she couldn't do. And I would look to her for a gauge. How am I doing? 
Am I in the right place? Am I doing, am I, am I filling uh, the fonts out correctly? Like that, you know, um, I, I have love and admiration for her. Um, uh, she's just an incredible human being. And you also said that that uh, Gary Marshall, uh, a man who I hold in high esteem, prepared you for what was going to come after the Fonz was over, preparing well, you for the rest of your what career. He, what he taught me was <clears throat> how to run a set, how to be a leader mm-hmm. with an iron fist and a very gentle glove. Mm-hmm. You know, I once, once in the 10 years we worked together, I I said for him to hurry up while he was introducing the guest cast because I had to catch a plane to Little Rock, Arkansas okay. to make an appearance the next day. I was getting $1,000 to just appear to sign autographs for the Little Rock newspaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... um. And I, I should really disconnect the phone, but I haven't. That's okay. And after he finished introducing the guest cast, he put the microphone down. He literally grabbed me by the shirt, put me against the wall, and said, don't you ever interrupt me again when I'm introducing <laughs> the guest cast. They have every right to be introduced like you, Gary. I'm going to sit over here. I'm not saying I'm putting a tickle lock on my mouth. <laughs> I'm not saying a word. If you need me, I'm right here. And, uh, you know, uh, there were so many lessons. Eventually, when I became an executive producer, that I had absorbed and didn't even know it. Wow. Did you make, it to, did you make it to Arkansas? I did. Okay. <laughs> I did. I now have, uh, Stacy and I have a fishing buddy from Little Rock. He is a doctor. And we meet every year at a lodge and fish for trout. Oh, wow. Oh, that's wonderful. All right, so you're going to have one of the great experiences for anybody that's a parent. A a proud and wonderful bonding experience of getting to work with your son, who is a director. And you're getting ready to do a show for HBO called King Rex, which is about a cowboy crime boss, which sounds very, it sounds like a cross between The Godfather and Yellowstone. So tell us what this show is about, when you're going to shoot, and how it is to work with your son. Okay. It is being written. I have worked for my son only in student films, wearing Bermuda shorts, <laughs> knee socks, and uh, lying in a tub. <laughs> uh, he's never hired me, the stinker, for a professional job. So King Rex, is a. it started as an article uh, about a real man who is a, um, a clothier in uh, Texas, he sells um, uh, cowboy wear, you know, uh, upscale mm-hmm. cowboy wear. And uh, he uh, he has a son, but he's not crazy about his son. And then there's another man, a young man who works, I think, in the store that he then uh, uh, 
adopts kind of like the son he never had, except he's got one. And it turns out that this clothing salesman who knows everybody in town, who is like the social mayor of his area, uh, is up to no good. And that's mm. going to be you? And that is me. Wow. Okay, awesome. I love this. Now, how are you excited that Max, are you more excited that Max is a director than you would have been if Max were an actor? No, because I wanted him to do, we both did, mm-hmm. we wanted him to do what he wanted, what, what was his passion. Mm-hmm. And when he was 10 years old, mm-hmm. he told us, and anybody else who would listen, <laughs> he was going to be a director. Oh, wow. really? And he wasn't joking. So he knew. He knew. And, you know, he has, uh, he's a cinephile. Mm-hmm. You know who else is? A Bill Hader. Oh. Knows, has, I think has seen every film ever created by a human being on the earth. Wow. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. But I am, I, there are no words, actually. And I'm a pretty verbal guy, as you know. <laughs> yes. There are no words to tell you how felt my soul is that I'm going to be directed by Max. Oh, I love that so much. That is really wonderful. You know, I wanted to talk for a moment before we close about your Twitter presence. Because you have a whole Twitter brand, personality, and how would you describe how you present yourself on Twitter? Wow, that's interesting. I don't think uh, there are things I will not retweet because I think they've gone too far mm-hmm. or because I'm not comfortable. I, I I tweet from my stomach. Okay. But I will say I if Twitter changes the nature of its existence. Right. I I'm thinking very very strongly about having to leave. Same. same. Elon Musk said today he would open Twitter up for Trump again. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can stay if that happens. No, that that is that is not free speech. That is that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So where would we go? We have to we have to figure. You know out. what I'm. You know what I'm thinking. I, honest to God, I think somebody is going to create another platform that will be uh, have some confine, some structure to it where we can all meet again. Mm -hmm. But I was getting so close to a million followers. Oh, well, we can do that tonight. So, okay, so go to uh, at H Winkler for real, the number four. I guess all other versions of Henry Winkler were already stolen. So the real checkmark Henry is at H Winkler number four, real. And he's so entertaining. I, I just love following Henry on Twitter because he, you're a very generous tweeter. You retweet people. You reach out to people that you love, to other performers that you're proud of, and you're somewhat political. And so all good things. I love it. Yeah. And I love the animal tweets. I love yeah. the the funny animal tweets. So fun. Mm-hmm. I retweet them all the time. Yeah. Those are, those are, they, they just heal your soul. 
They do. Now, Fritz, did you have a final question for Henry? Because I'm going to end with something that Ron Howard no, wrote in to, his. I want in, you to end in dramatic fashion. In his book, this is this is uh, dramatic. The book by Ron and Clint Howard, which, according to the uh, thank yous at the end, Henry was instrumental in helping out, helping Ron remember a lot of his childhood. Uh, this is the last paragraph in the book. I knew the number of the payphone on the floor of Studio 19 at Paramount. I called it and asked to speak to Henry. Ron, where are you? He said when he picked up the receiver. You're supposed to be here. It's going to hit the press in about 10 minutes, but I wanted to tell you first, Henry, I'm not coming back. I'm going to direct full time. I heard a soft groan. Henry went quiet for a moment. Then he brightened. You'll be unbelievable at it, Ron. Unbelievable, he said. Go with God. Oh. That's true. My my acting partner, my my friend, were left after seven years. Uh, I knew that he dreamt of being a director. I didn't know if anyone could take his place because we had an unspoken connection uh, doing our scenes together. It, it was just amazing. And on the other hand, I knew that he was meeting his destiny. And then he became uh, a billion-dollar director. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? And then the, the truth of the matter is that uh, young Scott Baio uh, stepped in and hit a home run. He became a wonderful uh, acting partner with incredible timing. Very funny. Um, uh, we had great repartee. So, you know, he kind of saved the day but ron will never ever be replaced mm -hmm. and then was it at that point that you did your first film or one of your first films with ron on night shift or yeah. was was it when night he was shift. Okay. night shift it was his first film for a major studio and he said you know you can play either role and i thought well billy blaze was very flamboyant and the fonz is pretty flamboyant I think I'm going to play Richie. And so I played Chuck. Ah, I see. <laughs> I just played the opposite. Yeah, but he was and, he was uh, different. Michael Keaton was... That was the breakout from Michael Keaton too, right? Yeah, he's one of his first movies. And he was unbelievable to watch mm -hmm. in person, right then and there, right in front of your eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so much fun. But I, I don't think you were playing Richie as much as you were creating a whole new guy he was more neurotic than than richie he had more yeah. you know more angst and you created yeah, but him. you know what I, i'm proud of it that film holds up today oh yeah. it was made in 82 and it is funny mm -hmm. today definitely yeah it was really big. thank you henry you're the best is there anything else we, we should know before we say goodbye henry is there anything else we should know? is there anything that needs to be plugged between now and king rex and barry no, you know, next year, um, uh, Lynn Oliver and I have our newest book coming out, mm -hmm. oh. but it's not available now. So it's hard to talk about mm -hmm. because then people want it, mm -hmm. you know, and but it's about a little duckling Aww. on pond <laughs> in New Hampshire. <laughs> I love wow. that. That is wonderful. I'm going to read the closing credits, Henry, and then please don't leave us just yet because we're going to stand up next to the 
next to the monitor and take our pictures with you. Okay, sure. Okay. We would love for you to join us online on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at MediapathPod, and on Facebook, where our show is MediapathPodcast, and our Facebook group is MediaPath with Fritz and Wheezy Podcast Community. You can find full episodes with all kinds of bonus visual content on our YouTube channel, MediaPathPodcast. We would love to know what media you've been enjoying. You can contact us at our social media or email us at MediaPathPodcast at gmail.com. We want to thank the entertaining, charming, and brilliantly talented Henry Winkler. Our team includes Dina Friedman, John Maddox, Sharon Bellio, Bill Filippiak, Thomas Hubble, Mason Brown, and you. Our theme music is by me and John Maddox. I am Louise Palanker, here with Fritz Coleman and Henry Winkler, and we will see you along the media path.